Did you try break out with a moving wall? Did you try break out with an extra ball? It's what fun's all about. It's Super Breakout. It's a brand new game from Atari. Have you played Atari today? If you liked Breakout, you'll love Super Breakout. It's got more color, more sound, and more action. And naturally, it's from Atari. Have you played Atari today? Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Welcome to episode 80. 80. That is, we are 80%. We are a solid passing grade towards 100. We are a B. Not a B plus, but a B. Not a B minus. I feel like anything under, I thought an 80 was like a B minus and 79 was a C plus. Oh, I guess it depends on who you ask. We're not teachers though. No, we are not teachers, but we did get a lot of Bs. We did. We were a B family. Sometimes a C family. (laughs) Beyond our lack of uh, achieving in high school or or college or any other schooling that Zach and I have done, uh, we've been playing some video games. I'm going to talk about my recently played first. Yeah, Seth, I want to hear what you, I was going to ask you. Tell me, what have you recently been playing, Seth? I want to know. Well, recently, I've been playing, I would say, probably one of my top five games of all time. Again, but different. And that game is Mass Effect. Because the Legendary Edition came out. And the Legendary Edition, they went through and they remade 1, 2, and 3. They remade all the games, combined them into one. Uh, I, I feel like they did more work on the first game. And then they progressively did less work as they got to newer and newer games. And especially since the Mass Effect series, the first game had like an entirely different way of playing it versus the second and third game. As they decided to go from like this tactical squad based game to being like a with like inventory and management and bullets and all sorts of stuff to like cover fire and infinite bullets well actually the, I think the first one was just heat sink no they had heat sink cartridges that you need to find the bullets were unlimited you needed heat sink cartridges though so I'm, i've been playing mass effect i i have gotten very not far in it but i have okay. also beaten all three of the games multiple times so it's not like i'm not and it's not like I'm new to the Mass Effect world. I have played all of the content, including all of the DLCs. In fact, I've probably played more than what's included in the Legendary Edition because some of the DLC didn't make it into the Legendary Edition because some of the source code went south when they tried to bring it over. They're like, this DLC is gone. Guess there's no DLC. So I've played Whoopsies. it, though. I've played that DLC. I'll probably own that DLC on one of my things. The happiness that I have is that I want to tell you a story about Mass Effect. And at one point in time, Mass Effect came out. and you could buy it on Steam and I owned it on Steam then Mass Effect 2 came out and you can buy it also on Steam and I bought it on Steam. Then Steam and EA got into a fight and Mass Effect 3 came out and you could not buy it on Steam. So you had to go to Origin and buy Mass Effect 3 there. But I like my games on Steam. So I owned Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 on Steam, Mass Effect 3 on Origin, and my collection was never on the same software and it bugged me for years. 
that I couldn't get Mass Effect 3 with my Mass Effect 1 and my Mass Effect 2. But with uh, Steam and EA becoming friendly again, finally, the thing that I said when EA did become friendly with Steam again, I said, oh, maybe that means I'll be able to finally buy Mass Effect 3 on Steam. Or they'll give me my copy of Mass Effect 3 on Steam. Spoiler alert, I had to buy it. But I was able to buy... Mass Effect 3, include, it, it came with the, leg, well, it didn't come with the legendary package. I got a discount because I was buying it with the legendary package, so I was able to save, and it wasn't full retail, so it was still uh, not a great deal since I already owned the game, but it was worth it for me to be able to see Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 on Steam, and now that it's on Steam, it's mine forever, and EA can't take it back. That's right. But yeah, so but otherwise, so far from what I've played, they, it looks like a, a really good job when they've uh, what they've put together and that they've kind of brought the graphics up to a, a higher fidelity, which makes me happy, and it still runs pretty well on my computer, which is aging, and uh, so that's... That makes me happy that it's not like so remastered that I can't, my computer breaks. So that's what I've been playing lately. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I assume it's going to play through like all the other times. Mass Effect's getting to the age where we could actually almost talk about it being a classic game. Well, it's the first one. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. So you, Zach, you. You. (laughs) Yo, yo, you over, you walking down the street. What have you been recently playing? I don't know why I became like a, like one of those uh, Coney Island uh, shouters. What are they called? There's like a, there's a specific name, like a hype man. Coney Island hype man. Do you want to see what's behind this curtain? Well, first you have to tell me what you've been playing. (laughs) I will tell you what I've been playing. So Seth, I have been playing Super 3D Noah's Ark. Uh, Super 3D Noah's Ark was developed by Wisdom Tree, who we briefly talked about in our, I think we talked about it in our bootlegs episode, and then we also talked about it a little bit in our holiday episode, where we talked about some of the Bible games that they developed. Because they're Christmas-themed, you see. Yes. Well, they were Christian-themed. <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything, with, anything with the Bible's Christmas. That's right. So, uh, Wisdom Tree was a rebranding of a different company called Color Dreams, which did not make only Christian games. But Wisdom Tree decided they were going to make Christian games. Um, so, they actually re made some of the color dream titles into christian titles now this super 3d noah's ark was not this uh it was actually originally published for the super nintendo and ms dos back in 1994 and 1995 respectively and it's a christian themed first person shooter where you play as noah and in the game noah has to put his animals to sleep literally he's not like killing them all and euthanizing them he is feeding them to the point where they pass out and go to bed (laughs) because the animals have escaped and by the animals i don't mean the two of every animal i mean a lot of goats for some reason there's like so many goats it's like noah missed the memo (laughs) noah just missed the memo he was like two of every animal well i got like 400 goats over there that's gotta be every animal. <laughs> and then he put them all on the boat. Two, two of every animal within a five mile radius. It's just all goats. All goats. Uh, so yeah, you you walk around the ark. You f- feed the animals by shooting them with a slingshot, um, and then they go to sleep. How does that feed them? I don't know. I think you're aiming for the mouth. Are you sure you're not shooting them with like a tranquilizer or a poison? (laughs) No, because you pick up stuff labeled feed. So maybe maybe you just hit them in the head and it knocks them out. (laughs) 
They just he just like he just calls his gun feed. This is my rifle <laughs> feed. Uh, so uh, <laughs> this is my the, pistol water. Now the the game was originally built off of the Wolfenstein 3D engine. It actually still plays in the Wolfenstein 3D engine. It's just the current version that you can buy on Steam plays in a source port called eWolf. Wisdom Tree actually acquired the license for the Wolfenstein 3D engine, which there is a fun popular rumor that id software willingly sold the wolfenstein 3d engine to wisdom tree because of how nintendo butchered the wolfenstein 3d port for the super nintendo which was heavily censored including uh removal of blood and nazi references and stuff and there's a rumor that id software was very grumpy about this so they openly sold the engine for Wolfenstein 3D for an unlicensed Super Nintendo game because Wisdom Tree's game was not licensed by Nintendo. Did you ask John Romero about it? I did ask John Romero about it. So when I met John Romero when he came to my college, I said, Mr. Romero, I said, um, is it true the story that you guys sold you know, the Wolfenstein 3D uh, engine to Wisdom Tree just to get back at Nintendo? And he said, I don't really remember but probably not because we used to sell it to a lot of people back then. <laughs> so, which I'm inclined to believe that. I mean, they were, yeah. they were trying to be a legitimate company, so they might've been grumpy about Nintendo's decision and there might've been some. Yeah. They, thing, they probably but... did it just all, the same reason that everybody does something for green dollar bills for cash. Uh, super 3d nose arc was actually re-released for windows, uh, Mac and Linux in 2015 by a company named Pico Interactive. Why? So Pico's a weird company. They've actually been acquiring like unlicensed Super Nintendo games to re-release and they actually will acquire the license for them and just produce brand new cartridges to run on your Super Nintendo and they picked up the license for Super, Noah's, uh, Super 3D Noah's Ark. So while they're in the process of building new cartridges for Super 3D Noah's Ark for a whole new run of the game, which you can get on their website. They also worked with developing a actual full port of the game to a modern source engine with Wisdom Tree involved in the process. Yeah, uh, so another fun story about Super 3D Noah's Ark. I learned about it originally from the Angry Video Game Nerd episode that he did on, uh, on, the, on the title. And I kind of was like enamored by it because I was like, this reminds me of Chex Quest, where it's just like a child friendly first person shooter, which I think is a hilarious like oxymoron there. I actually really wanted to play Super 3D as Noah's Ark, and I had trouble finding a copy of it available online that worked. So before they did the source port in 2015, I took it upon myself to order a copy of the game from Amazon, and I got a cd dos version of super 3d noah's ark from amazon and it's just like sitting on my my bookshelf somewhere so i have it like on a jewel case it's very nice the funny thing about it though is that i ordered it from like a third-party seller and for like three years after i ordered it they sent me a christmas card oh that's great yeah so every every few like i think it was like three years straight after i ordered it they would send me a christmas card that just said like, dear Zachary, we want to thank you again for your patronage to our for our business. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And then That's they gave amazing. me a little blessing. And then it signs the like owner of the company. It was like a Christian bookstore. I, I don't know if they're still in operation. Like I said, they stopped sending it like three years like three years after I ordered the game. So they might have even just shut down or they might have just stopped sending it. Or maybe they have like a guideline. They only send it for a certain number of years. 
but it was very nice to receive that. I, I just liked receiving it every year or so. I'd be like, oh, it's these guys. Nice. Should have bought something else from them. I should have. I actually I feel kind of bad I didn't. Anyway, uh, today we are talking about a very classic, classic arcade game. A game called Breakout. 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 I think everyone's heard of Breakout. I don't... Not, not my fiance. Really? Yeah, I showed her pictures of it. I said, you've seen this game, right? And she's like, nah. Okay, maybe not everyone. Uh, everyone... But Seth's fiance. I, I just, I feel like Breakout is just one of those games that if you haven't played the original, you've definitely played a version of it. Because, right. I mean, in terms of my own memories, I don't think I ever actually played the original arcade version of Breakout on the machine. But I did play Arkanoid, which is a, we talk a little bit about it in this episode. It was a, like, knockoff of Breakout by a right. Japanese company. Um, that added guns <laughs> and uh, i played that so i'm familiar with the concept of breakout but i've never actually played the original arcade cabinet of breakout i think i've seen people play the original arcade cabinet breakout they were usually older people because that's the kind of games that they would like to play like an arcade if we went with like with a group like with moms and dads yeah 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 to a like an arcade and the moms and dads were going to play games. Sometimes, like, the moms would play, like, Breakout or, like, yeah, Snood. Yeah, yeah. Because those are the type of games that moms play. <laughs> where they're not Breakout. playing, like, time It's a crisis. mom game. <laughs> yeah, it's a mom game. The other place that I have played Breakout, where many people may have also played Breakout, is on a TI-84 calculator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it was ported to, like, everything. So there was a version on a TI-84 calculator that you could get. Yes. Um, yeah, I I played that quite a lot when I probably could be doing other things. And that's like why we got C's geometry. <laughs> so to uh, change the format up on a little bit on its head, because Breakout by itself is is a is a is a pretty basic game. <laughs> um, we're we're not gonna sugarcoat it and and have this long exposition and then go into the gameplay segment of our podcast where we generally talk about how the game actually is with breakout and and go on for 20 minutes talking about it breakout by and large is a pretty basic type game so for this particular episode we're going to talk about the game and give kind of like an overview for those who are unfamiliar with the game and then we're going to go into the history of the game because the history of breakout is far more interesting in my opinion than the game itself so uh the game for those who aren't familiar involves a paddle that goes back and forth of the bottom of the screen and a ball that bounces and hits blocks. Now, the blocks are above the paddle. And usually the ball starts at the at the beginning, like up at where the blocks are, comes down to the paddle, and then bounces up. And you have to clear a wall of blocks. And generally, the cabinet was a fairly simple design and the, with uh, a CRT screen and a single dial to move the paddles back and forth and a serve button to just get the ball going uh the original version of breakout was in black and white however the monitor would use a color cellophane that was placed over it so the bricks would appear to be in color yeah um later models would just have color versions you can get it for your phone there are also like iterations of breakout where the uh, blocks will come down and approach you and there's just all sorts of things but simplistically breakout has blocks at the top and you need to break those blocks with a ball using a paddle. Very, very simple game. It really was the trope namer, I would say, for the genre that is the block breaker game, which um, 
we we talk about i mentioned arkanoid which would be another block breaker style game oh and there's obviously a number of iterations that have expanded off of breakout getting into the history of breakout breakout really has a very interesting history uh, and it really impacted not just the world of video games but also personal computers due to the people who worked on it and i would argue that without breakout the personal computer market would not be what it is today and that you'll see why so to get into breakout uh it's really first important to mention that uh it's really not the first game of its type um so there is a game that came out in 1974 um of just two years or so before breakout called clean sweep by a company called ramtech now clean sweep was a fairly simple arcade game similar to breakout where a ball would bounce around the screen and instead of hitting blocks it would hit dots that lined the screen across and to the bottom at the bottom of the screen the player controlled would kind of looked like a rounded paddle i when i was watching someone play i thought it looked like a like half moon or a semicircle um instead of like a flat paddle the point of the game was to clear the entire screen of all of the dots on the screen clean sweep was actually fairly popular it was one of the best-selling arcade games of 1974 probably because there weren't a lot of them <laughs> with a total of 3,500 arcade cabinets being sold. Now, whether or not Atari was inspired by clean sweep, it's just hard to say. Ramtech certainly wouldn't be a stranger to Atari as they both operated out of Sunnyvale, California. So they both were probably familiar with each other, um, especially when trying to get their games to market and getting people to buy their games breakout itself as a game though was designed by nolan bushnell and steve bristow along with some help from an up-and-coming electronic whiz by the name of steve wozniak oh i know who that is yeah now nolan bushnell had the idea to turn pong into a single player game which if you think about breakout he accomplished that goal <laughs> the and thought that the idea could capitalize on the success that they're already seeing with Pong and the growing home Pong market, which we will cover in a later episode. Don't worry. If you can't if you don't think that Classic Gaming Brothers can get super exciting, just wait, there's more. Uh, his idea for a single player Pong would see the player using the paddle to deplete a wall of bricks. Bristow and Bushnell would ta task Atari engineer Al Alcorn, who we've talked about previously, yep. to head the project. Alcorn instructed a recent hire at Atari to design the board. This recent hire was a 20-something-year-old Steve Jobs. Now, for how Steve Jobs got, a jo got the job at Atari is also kind of a funny story as well. And also a bit emblematic of who Steve Jobs was as a person. Jobs had recently returned home in February of 1974 at the age of 19 to his parents' home in Los Altos, California. His good friend, Steve Wozniak, had recently constructed his own version of Pong, which he gave one of the circuit boards to Jobs. Jobs took the board down to Atari, and Atari hired him thinking that he was the one who built the board. Nolan Bushnell was quoted as describing Steve Jobs as difficult but valuable and indicated that he was, quote, was very often the smartest guy in the room and he would let people know that. <laughs> Which, if you've ever seen Steve, the late Steve Jobs talk, that comes across very evidently. I do want to say not to 
speak ill of Steve Jobs is he's he's a great mind and he was a you know a really pivotal person in the home computer market but it really is just a steve jobs thing to do to to like take someone's work go down to the company and be like hey check this out they're like hey want a job and he was like yeah (laughs) i don't know why he went down to the company to show them it maybe he was just excited but at the end of the day steve jobs was a salesman and not only was he a salesman i would say that steve jobs was probably the greatest salesman in this past hundred years i agree he could sell anything to anybody if you just listen to him for just a moment and i i respect that i I respect that the entire apple company was built on steve jobs being able to sell something and and steve didn't need to understand something to be able to sell it and that is vastly evident nowadays that people don't need to understand a technology in order to sell that technology as i'm sure any of you have dealt with even the cell phone representatives who sold you your phone yeah and now back to our story al alcorn tasked jobs with designing the board for breakout as they needed to cut down the number of chips logic chips could cost money so the less chips in a board the better because less chips equals less money equals more profit yes because in order to make profit you either need to have sales that overcome your cost of goods or you need to bring your cost of goods down to make that sales number to go up so if you're running into something where you're unsure of how much you can sell it for the best way to sell it is to make it as cheap as possible that's right so cut out the logic chips as many as you could steve jobs was offered by atari 750 dollars for every TTL, which is a transistor to transistor logic chip that he could remove fewer than 50. Jobs said the job would be done in four days because he was a salesman and he was selling himself. And you know, Jobs, well, he had a task ahead of him. He had to remove these chips and get it down, hopefully to his his idea, below 50 so that he could start making that bonus. There's a problem though. Jobs was not familiar with circuit boards. He didn't go to school for electrical engineering, so he really was not familiar with how circuit boards were laid out or how exactly to even cut down these chips. But he did know someone that was. Jobs went to his friend, Steve Wozniak, who was at the time working for Hewlett-Packard, and convinced Waz that they would split the fee if Waz worked on the board. So, Waz did. He got to work. Now, there was a couple of problems. Uh, For one, Waz didn't have any sketches to go off of. So he designed the board for the game solely on how it was described to him. So Jobs would have to have described it as like, all right, all right, Waz, think of think of Pong, think of Pong, but instead of instead of two paddles, it's one paddle and a bunch of blocks on the screen. <laughs> so that's how I imagine that conversation went. Maybe even like a dragging of like a Pong machine. Like yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Just like, all right, picture this? this, picture this. Okay. <laughs> so the good news is the deadline was met. Waz actually worked four nights straight at Atari while he was still working at Hewlett-Packard during the day. So he would work during the day. He would clock out of his job at Hewlett-Packard, go to Atari, which was in the same town. He'd work all night and then he'd go the next morning back to work at Hewlett-Packard. He was apparently also working a bit on the board at his job. So like, you know, probably doing other projects and also just every now and then jumping over to this board. The final board netted a bonus for jobs of five thousand dollars which jobs 
kept secret from Wozniak. Jobs told Wozniak that they only received $700 and gave Woz $350 of that. So Jobs got $5,000. He gave Steve Wozniak $350. Just to get your mind in where Steve's was, in 1974, $5,000 equates to $27,000 in today's money, which is not bad. And... $350 equated to $1,895. Which also isn't terrible. (laughs) But it's not necessarily... So let's say it's not unbelievable, right? So like for Wozniak, picture Wozniak, Steve Jobs comes to you and says, hey, these... Like let's say today I went to you and said, hey, this company's going to pay me like five grand if I can do this. I'll split it with you if you can do it. You know, and you can help me out. Yeah. And then I give you close to two grand for four days of work. Not a bad deal. So Wozniak was probably like, all right. Woz's design used 44 chips in total, which now to describe boards at the time for Atari games, on average, they were using around 150 to 160 chips. Maybe sometimes a little less, but they never used less than 100. Woz's design used 44 (laughs) That's a significant less amount of chips. Though, there is a problem. Uh, That was Atari could not use Waz's design. They wanted to, but manufacturing at the time made it impossible for them to build a board that small. It was just too compact. It was too small. So the company ended up redesigning the board with their version using 100 Logic chips. In the later years, Wozniak noted that he obviously played Breakout and said it was pretty much identical to the version he had designed. So it's not like they lost anything with shifting it over to 100 chips. Now, after the game was finished, it ran into some legal issues. The game was fairly simple, as Seth described. Uh, So it's a paddle hitting a ball into a wall blocks. It's very simple. (laughs) It was so simple, in fact, that their copyright filing deadline was denied because it quote-unquote did not contain at least a minimum amount of original pictorial or graphical authorship or authorship in sounds. Atari appealed this denial in a case known as Atari Games Corp versus Oman, and the Court of Appeals Justice found the game to be copyrightable. That Court of Appeals Justice was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> the world, the world, the world is a very, very small place. Yeah, where like... you've had Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs, Al Alcorn, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, all interconnected. It's like a setup for a bad joke. Like it's true. <laughs> like it's true. Al Alcorn, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg walk into a bar. They come out with Breakout. That's right, and they did. And Breakout was well, a uh, Breakout. It became the fifth highest earning game of 1976 and the third highest earning game of 1977. The game had a total production run of 11,000 cabinets and is estimated to have generated over 11 million dollars which is about 51 million dollars or so in today's money uh in sales revenue from quarters in 1980 the home port for the atari 2600 sold 256,265 units later by 1983 sold 1.6 million units total units sold by 1983 1.6 million it was ranked as the ninth best-selling Atari game of 1983. Breakout would be a major inspiration for a lot of people. 
Steve Wozniak cited Breakout as being the inspiration for his design of the Apple II computer, stating that a lot of the features of the Apple II went in because I, I Steve had designed Breakout for Atari. He designed a version of the game to be played on the Apple II, written in integer basic. And another thing that inspired by Breakout was the incredibly popular Space Invaders. Yeah. Which we talk about in our fixed shooter episode, not so many episodes far behind. Tomohiro Nishikiado cited Breakout as his original inspiration behind the game. The game has seen re-releases over the years, and such the updated version Super Breakout in 1978, Breakout 2000 for the Atari Jaguar, and a 3D-inspired version simply called Breakout for the PC and PlayStation by Hasbro Interactive's Atari Interactive subsidiary. That's a lot of interactives, but that's... Yeah, Hasbro loves it. There was also a few home console versions of Breakout, such as Atari Video Pinball, which contained a version of Breakout along with a pinball game, and Taito would release Arkanoid in 1986, which was a block-breaking game similar to Breakout that expanded the concept by adding power-ups. Breakout is just... A fun game that you just iterates, and it's one of those like games. It's just a game, right? It's just it's yeah. just gameplay. It's not. It doesn't have a story. It doesn't have anything built into it. Games. These you know, games can be so. Just saying, game is just like such the beginning. Like it just is such a generic term. And Breakout is just so simple. It can be enjoyed by anyone for just a moment. I, I definitely agree. I think Breakout is one of those games that's like Tetris. Or like Puzzle Bobble or like really any almost puzzle game now that I think about it that is just kind of addicting to play. You know, the moment you start playing a version of Breakout, I just keep playing it for like for a while. Like I'll just play it and play it and play it. And then I'm like, oh, time has passed. I got to do other things with my life instead of playing Breakout. It's just one of those um, very addictive titles um, to play even to this day, I think, and just because it's so simple. I mean, it's like playing Pong with with a friend, you know, um, or a family member. If you if you have a chance to sit down and play Pong, it's one of those games that just gets fun the more you play it with someone because it, you're it's, you know, so simple to play, but it does exactly what it needs to do. Now, I mentioned earlier that I think Breakout is quintessential into why we have modern computers. And the reason being was just was saying that the design of the Apple II was based on Breakout which that's that's major. I mean, the Apple II is what created the home computer market. Without the Apple II, we wouldn't have things like, we wouldn't have Prince of Persia. We wouldn't have the, you know, we wouldn't have like Commodore entering the computer market. We wouldn't have uh, eventually Microsoft forming. So would Steve Jobs have made the Apple II if he didn't work on Breakout? I don't know, because it didn't happen. But uh, it happened the way it did. So I don't know if that's the case, but I think that's just interesting to think about is that this simple game, very simple game, really inspired what became a massive, massive industry that to this day rakes in billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, the home computer industry is massive. Just something interesting, I think, is such a simple game can inspire such a huge thing. And that's going to be our uh, breakout episode. And we're talking about breakout. Now, we're going to get into our byway pass segment. That's right. Go on to close this episode out. So, I'm going to go first. Zach, I'm excited about to byway or pass on a game called The Long Drive. Oh. 
It was developed and published by Genesy. I don't know. G N E S Z. Genesy. All right. Anyway. Genesy. The wa- I think it's Genesy. So the long drive <laughs> is touted as a random generated open world semi post apocalyptic survival car drive game. That's what the that's what's in the Steam store. So many words that you just said. That's it's so many words. I feel like they just wrote it to get the search thing to work. <laughs> the developers are very excited about this game that the entire world can be explored and it's a um, the best type of car survival type game where you can just you can adjust everything on your car and you can just take it on the open road and it's in a early access so i was for some reason we put this on our wish list as Zach and i did at one point in time we've never talked about this game on the show however that we know of doug can send in if we have it's an interesting game uh so i'm gonna so i'm gonna put it down as a buy but my recommendation would be for you listener to put it down as a wait and understand that it's an early access title it is on sale right now well at the time of this recording for nine dollars and i would definitely recommend if you do pick it up going into it with a, an attitude of excitement and wonder um it is a, a little interesting and the graphics are a little fun they have like stretchy arms you pick up things you carry things weird i didn't play a lot of it because i did buy it even though i was supposed to be excited about waiting or buying it in the future um it's early access so that's why it's in our byway pass i i don't know i think i'll i think i'll fun it did remind me of landlord super though um when playing that game um, I think it would be a lot of fun to play on stream. I think so too, especially with the weird glitches. <laughs> yeah, there are some interesting glitches. I am excited to see where this game is going to go, though. I am, I'm, I'm excited to have purchased the game, and I'm excited to see where this development's going to go. Um, I would definitely recommend that if you do decide to check out the long drive, make sure you uh, read, look through the screenshots, and and look through the reviews before ultimately deciding to purchase it. But yeah. I think that it's definitely a game to watch for sure, and. I'm excited that I bought it and that I'm going to get to see it develop. So Seth, the game that I am excited about by waiting or passing on is Sonic Colors Unlimited. Sonic Colors Unlimited is a remaster of the game Sonic Colors for the Wii, which was a great title, uh, but was only ever released on the Wii and never came to anything else, which is a very sad fact because it's a really good game. Uh, Sonic Colors is um, one of the earlier of the what we would call the boost era of sonic games where sonic uh can use a kind of boost ability that he has from collecting a lot of rings it's a um it, it's a gameplay mechanic that is used in other sonic games such as sonic unleashed uh sonic generations sonic forces and potentially the up-and-coming untitled sonic game coming out in 2022 anyway sonic colors unlimited is a remaster of this game for the wii and it's coming out on ps4 and switch and i think some of the other systems but it's um, coming out to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Sonic, which is right around the corner. So that's really exciting. I'm really excited for this. I love Sonic Colors from what I've played of it. I don't currently own a Wii, so I haven't had a chance to play through it completely. I would love a chance to play through it completely. So I'm definitely going to pick it up when it comes out. It's due out in September of this year. So just a few more months of waiting. But uh, I'm really excited about this and some of the other titles that have been unveiled during the Sonic 30th anniversary. They actually unveiled a lot of those titles today, the day of recording this, May 27th, when they did a live stream of just various things 
So it's, looks, it looks like it's going to be a good year for Sonic, which makes me happy. We're also getting the sequel to the movie. It's just so many good things. Sonic's in vogue now. Sonic's in vogue now. He's getting some like really cool hip-hop inspired bling, which is weird to say, but he is. Um, there's a TV show coming out on, on Netflix called Sonic Prime, which is confusing because it makes it sound like it should be out on Amazon Prime, but it's not. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Uh, there's also another TV show coming out. It's just so much good Sonic content. It's so good. I love Sonic. Blue Hedgehog Man. So that is our episode on Breakout, the the classic game with a crazy history, which I, th- I think does have a really wild history in terms of Steve Jobs and the money situation and how he got his job at Atari and Ruth Bader Ginsburg getting involved. It's just all that stuff. So anyway, I hope you I hope you liked this episode. Uh, if you did like this episode and you like the idea of doing this kind of like deep historical dive into something interesting, I have an idea. Seth, do you know what my idea is? Well, what's your idea? So my idea is that you, the listener, can contact us. You can contact us by reaching out to us via our email, classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com or classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. Uh, just send us an email and that's one way to contact us. You can also go to our website. We have a contact form on the website. You can fill out that form and send it over to us and bam, we get it. Now we can reply to you. If, if you want us to reply to you. Another way you can contact us and another great way you can contact us is by following us on all the various social media because we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have a Twitch. Facebook and Instagram and Twitch are Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. But if you follow us there, you'll be updated for whenever we release an episode or do a live stream. But you can also contact us if you have any questions on those social media uh, areas so that you'd be able to reach out to us with any questions comments or concerns that you have and either seth or myself will get back in touch with you that's a classic gaming promise so those are all the ways you can contact us and i also kind of just segued into how you can support us so yeah liking us subscribing and all that stuff great way to support us and that's one of the best ways you can is by liking subscribing you know sharing content letting people know that you listen to the podcast because I think that's really the number one way you could support us is just by letting people know that you listen to Classic Gaming Brothers and you like our content. You want people to be able to listen to us and that you want people to know that we are a great podcast and you love us because, Seth, we are a great podcast and you do love us. Now, you can also support us. I mean, you can buy our merch if you want. We do have some merch that's available on our website. It was designed by our great artist who I think uh, we definitely should give more credit to for the, the work he's been doing. So he's he's a fantastic artist. He's got some great work um, that he's provided for us. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll put his stuff on the website. One of the, I mentioned one of the best ways to support us is letting people know to listen to us. Now, you might be wondering, well, Zach, I know how I listen to you. But how do I tell them how they can listen to you? Well, the good news is we're available on every podcasting application that I'm aware of. Uh, we're available on uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Amazon, Google, et cetera, et cetera. If there's a place you can find podcasts, there's like 99% chance that we are there. The reason I say 99% is because I don't know how many podcasting applications are out in this world. So I can't tell you with 100% certainty that we are on all of them. But I can tell you we're on all the ones that I'm aware of, which is a lot of them. So I, I definitely recommend you let people know that they can listen to us on all those various medias uh, and, and reach out to us if they need to. That's all the ways you can contact us, support us, and listen to us. That's it. That's everything. I think I did that pretty nice and succinctly. And uh, I'm glad I'm not forgetting anything. Unless I am forgetting anything. Seth, am I? Don't play games like my brother. Don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. 
And we have been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. That's that sounded right. like you're a little confused. Uh, we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers? We should put question marks at the end of everything we say. Question mark? Yeah. I'm Zeb. I'm Zeb. I was going to say it. I'm Zach. Question mark. I guess we're